This episode contains graphic content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Hey guys, what's up and welcome to another episode of What the Actual F. My name is Harmony and as always, I'll be your host here. I just want to go ahead and apologize for not releasing an episode last week. I am so sorry guys, I was in the middle of a move, still kind of unpacking and got a little bit of stuff left, but I'm here this week and I'm bringing you another episode. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for the past few episodes, you know that I am deep into this conspiracy list. Now, I feel very odd calling these conspiracies because every single one of them has factual evidence. So are they really conspiracies? I don't know, but we're going to talk about more of them today. I don't know about you, but finding out how creepy and dark the world really is is beyond fascinating to me. I try to be a very upbeat, happy, and positive person, but my god, do I like the creepy shit in the world. I'm like a polar opposite than what I'm fascinated by. I'm happy and positive, but bring me all the dark and gory stuff because I love it. Now, since we did not have a podcast last week, I don't want to waste any time and I want to jump into these theories right now. Today's just so wonderful. I feel like chuckling. Ha ha ha. I feel all fuzzy inside like a duckling full of tarantulas and now that i'm here tonight it's gonna get weird now this theory is actually one that i've known about for a few years and i am pretty into it i don't believe the theory i'm just very intrigued by it You may believe this theory, and if you're curious about it and want to know more than what I tell you right now, you can head over to last-thursday.org and learn all about this theory yourself. But let's go ahead and run this down together. Now, according to the website, the Church of Last Thursday is the largest church in the world. However, according to Google, the Vatican is. But you know what? I'm going to let them have it right now because why not? According to this site, we, the Last Thursdayists, followers of Last Thursdayism, members of the Church of Last Thursday, believe that the universe was created on Thursday and will expire on Thursday. That the universe was created by you as a test for yourself. That you will be rewarded or punished when this universe expires based on your actions. That left-handedness is a sinful temptation. I'm sorry. What? Did you hear that? If you're left-handed, woo, you are a sinner. What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's let's continue. All right. That everyone but you was placed here and pre-programmed to act as part of your test environment. The secret's out. Now you know. I've been trying to keep it a secret for so long, being a part of your test. I've known the whole time. Yes, this is real. And I'm in on it. So is the guy next to you. Because according to this theory... 
everybody but you is aware that this is all a test. Hmm. Hmm? Mm-hmm. I haven't a clue what's going on here. Now let's continue and dive deeper into this. The creed of last Thursdayism. This is the details of their faith. The history states, you are the creator of the universe. You created the universe last. That is the most recent Thursday at noon, and it will expire next. That is the upcoming Thursday at noon. Everything that you perceive as predating last Thursday was planted by you in order to create the impression of an ancient universe governed by natural laws. This planted evidence includes all of your memories and all physical evidence of prior events. According to this, you created the universe as a test for yourself. Everyone who is not you is an aspect of yourself. Placed here to complete the environment for the test, everyone but you is aware of. Now you might be wondering, what is my test? Good question. Apparently, the purpose of this one-week test you created for yourself is to discover the limits of your own judgment and character. Now, last Thursday does talk about your character. It says that you expect of yourself ethical behavior, including treating others well given the illusion of the reality of this universe. Part of this universe is the illusion of the existence of others. You are expected to treat others as you would wish to be treated. You also expect yourself not to perform left-handedly. You may have feelings or urges of left-handedness, but these are shameful and sinful feelings, and it is wrong to act upon them. What the actual fuck? Yeah, that's right, guys. Um, if you are left-handed, you're just being sinful, and it is just an urge that you can fight. So use your right hand, okay? You hear me? According to them, you're a sinner. Use your right hand. I can't believe this. All right, let's continue. Now, according to them, it is not to say that you are precluded from using your left hand at all, only from favoring it. For instance, it is acceptable for you to hold the pot with your left hand while you stir with your right. It is not acceptable to write with your left hand, however. I'm, I can't, I can't, I don't even, what the fuck? Now let's talk about the judgment part of this. A key part of exercising sound judgment is being skeptical. Well, I am definitely skeptical, so apparently they're onto something. You expect this skepticism to include disbelief in such things as God or gods, telekinesis, homeopathy, astrology, faith healing, and ghost. Bro, like I'm dead, you killed me, I'm dead now. <laughs> Boom. Bitch, I'm a ghost. Apparently, according to this site, human belief in these things was created by you as a temptation for you. It does go on to state that you are not expected to believe in Last Thursdayism since belief would require faith. In fact, believing in it would cause you to at least partially fail the judgment part of your test. You are expected to treat Last Thursdayism as a religion. No more, no less. Now this site has a little paragraph for consequences. Let's run down those. Because apparently if you're left-handed, some of you are serious sinners. So uh, <laughs> you might want to start mining your P's and Q's. So according to this, the consequences state that if you succeed at this test of ethics and judgment, you will be back to your former self with the attendant power to create universes. And if you fail, you will be tortured in proportion to your failure. 
This torture will be infinitely worse than anything you can imagine or that is described in planted memories or works in this universe. Well, that sounds delightful. I don't know about you, but this theory is just, it's giving me butterflies. Okay, I need to bring something up when it comes to Last Thursdayism because it's very, very confusing. This site is made by people who believe in the Last Thursdayism, and they have a church for Last Thursdayist. However, if you ask, can I join the church? Their answer is, you may, though it would make no sense. You have no reason to believe the truth of our gospel, so joining would be an act of faith. Part of the test that you set up for yourself to avoid was faith. So what I gotta say about that is whoever's running this site and believes wholeheartedly in Last Thursdayism has just right there put a hole in their whole theory because they believe and they have faith when you're not supposed to, according to this theory. Also, if they're the largest church in the world, then why don't they want you to join it? It says it's not needed. So basically what I'm going off is they think that they're the largest church because you don't have to join the church. They just assume that you're already there. So basically the whole world is in on this and they know it. Except for them, because apparently, you know, they, they don't have the faith, but they do. I don't know. It's really confusing, guys. It's so confusing. That's, that's, that's what I get, is that this is the most confusing theory that has so many holes in it. But you know what? To each his own. We got to believe something to get by in this world. And who am I to knock that? I mean, I did, but you know what? Let's just move along. Let's move along. I feel like a bitch now. Let's just, let's go. Let's go. But hey, for real, if you do believe in the last Thursdayism theory, please send me an email and just give me reasons like why you believe in it, why you think it's true, and what makes you think that this is a very real theory. Because as of right now, this sounds absolutely bananas. Okay, I'm going to pull this all the way down to a tier one theory. And this one's all about the Ouija board. Introducing Hasbro's Ouija. Is that the one where you talk to ghosts? It's actually pretty fun. Is there a spirit here? There are only three simple rules. Never play alone. Spirit, can you hear me? Never play in a graveyard. We played in a graveyard. And always say goodbye. Good night, Romeo. With Ouija, you'll make new friends. Hi, friend. Connect with the other soul. Experience unknown. And with a little practice... Look, Mom, no hands. You'll be an expert in no time. It's fun for the whole family. <laughs> When's the best time to play Ouija? Always. <laughs> that tickled. Hasbro's Ouija. In February 1891, the first few advertisements started appearing in papers. Ouija. The wonderful talking board boomed a Pittsburgh toy and novelty shop. They described a magical device that answered questions about the past, present, and future with marvelous accuracy. That's actually a direct quote from the advertisement. In the same advertisement, it states that, quote, never failing amusement and recreation for all the classes. Quote, a link between the known and unknown, the material and immaterial. 
This talking board is basically the same exact thing you can buy in game aisles today. Simply a flat board with letters of the alphabet arrayed in two semicircles above the numbers 0 through 9. The word yes and no in the uppermost corners, goodbye at the bottom accompanied by a planchet. A teardrop shaped device, usually with a small window in the body, used to maneuver around the board. The idea for the board is that two or more people will sit around so, placing their fingers on the planchet, pose a question, and watch dumbfoundedly as this planchet moves from letter to letter, spelling out the answers seemingly on its own accord. Now, I did say this is basically the same board you can get today in Game Isles, except the boards that are released today are now cardboard when they were originally wood, and the planchets are plastic now. They weren't in the beginning. Now, here's the thing. The Ouija board had, quote, proven to work in the patent office before its patent was even allowed to proceed. And today, even psychologists believe that it may offer a link between the known and the unknown. Hi, I'm Kip Parker. And I'm Charlie Parker. And we're the, the Parker, Parker Brothers. Brothers. Hey, Charlie, what's missing from our game catalog? I don't know, Kip. Tell me. Well, you can't talk to the dead. You sure as hell can't. That's why we got this brand new game called Ouija. Ouija? Well, how break that down for me. That's Wii, because you're having a great time. And gee, it's because gee, aren't you having a blast? Because you're having a good time with the Wii. It looks like it smelled like a Chinaman got caught in there. Don't question it. <laughs> well, Ouija, Kip, tell me about it. Well, inside the package comes a flat board with all the letters of the alphabet, numbers from zero to nine, and a yes-no written out by itself. Well, that sounds like a lot of stuff going on. That's got a lot of stuff going on indeed, Charlie. It also comes with this planchette which hovers over the letters the dead are trying to tell you. Well, how does that work, Chip? Well, you ask the question, and then the dead move your hands in the direction of the answers. That sounds like a heck of a way to find Grandpa's slave money. Turns out it was in the attic. But the questions don't have to be as serious as slavery. You can also find out if Sally's got a crush on you. The dead like to answer all sorts of trivial questions. Feels like they'd have better things to do with their time, Kip. No, lost souls are lost forever, and they're really glad to help. Well, gee, Kip, can't you just get any sort of board with numbers and letters and talk to the dead? The dead prefer quality like anybody else. Quality you can only find at Parker and Parker. The Ouija board, brought to you by the Parker Brothers, available in both white and colored Walworths. Separate but equal savings. That was the original Parker Brothers Ouija radio commercial from 1929. The real history of the Ouija board is just about as mysterious as how the game works itself. Ouija historian Robert Murch has been researching the story of the board since 1992. Can you imagine having that job? Your whole life is just basically digging into this mysterious talking board. I can't imagine how well he sleeps at night because I feel like it's not good. Now, when Robert originally started his research, he says no one really knew anything about its origins, which struck him as odd. For such an iconic thing that strikes both fear and wonder in American culture, how can no one know where it came from? The Ouija board, in fact, came straight out of the American 19th century obsession with spiritualism and belief that the dead are able to communicate with the living. Spiritualism, which had been around for years in Europe, hit America hard in 1848 with the sudden prominence of the Fox Sisters of upstate New York. The sisters claimed to receive messages from spirits who rapped on walls and answering questions, recreating this feat of channeling in parlors across the state. 
Due to the stories about these celebrity sisters and other spiritualists in the new national press, spiritualism reached millions at its peak in the second half of the 19th century. Spiritualism worked for Americans, it was compatible with Christian dogma, meaning one could hold a seance on Saturday night and have no qualms about going to church the next day. Which I'm gonna go, uh-uh, that's not fucking true. Mm-mm, no, sorry. I, I'm not religious, but I absolutely know what the Bible states, and I'm pretty freaking sure even trying or thinking about having a seance to contact anything is considered witchcraft, and according to the Bible, is frowned upon. But... I don't know. What, what do I know? I'm not a practicing religion person in any way, shape, or form. I just know that we tend to live by the Bible, but only when it's convenient for us. So who knows? Maybe this was allowed. I don't know. Again, I don't subscribe to the religious theories. I just, I just try to survive. Now, nonetheless, during this time, no matter what, spiritualism, seances, contacting the dead, they were huge and they were like activities. You would invite your friends over, have people from the town come over as you guys try to contact the dead. So who wants to come over this Saturday? We're going to have a seance. I'm going to have barbecue. You know, we can hang out, see what, what dead people want to chill with us. I don't know. It might be fun. Who knows? It's going to be a real scream. Now, during these seances, which again were like a huge event, things that were creepy would actually happen. Tables would shake, doors would rattle, knocks on walls would be heard, people even claim to see, you know, whole figures, and then there's the whole ectoplasm thing, if you know anything about that. I'm sure we'll talk about that th sometime, just not on this episode. That's a whole thing in and of itself. Now, spiritualism really offered some sort of solace for people then because the average lifespan was less than 50 years old. Women died in childbirth, children were dying of disease, men were dying in war, even Mary Todd Lincoln, the wife of, you know, Abraham Lincoln, yeah, she conducted seances in the White House after their 11-year-old son died of hay fever in 1862. I cannot express to you how completely normal it was to have a seance with your friends and family. According to Robert Murch, you guys know the Ouija expert, yeah, he said that, quote, communicating with the dead was common. It wasn't seen as bizarre or weird. You know, because today, if we say, hey, we're going to go have a seance, your friends look at you cross and think that you should probably be admitted and get some help. However, back then, they were throwing real ragers trying to contact the dead. In 1886, the fledgling Associated Press reported on a new phenomenon taking over the spiritualist camps in Ohio the talking board. The Ouija board is probably the most successful and recognizable object that came out of the age of spiritualism in this country. Uh, it, 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 it's exactly the kind of object that American spiritualists were attracted to because it had this do-it-yourself quality. Uh, in the 1850s, 1860s, American spiritualists who believed ardently in what they were doing had an ideal that eventually talking to the dead would be as effortless and as ordinary as dinnertime conversation. Now, this talking board in the camps of Ohio was not an actual Ouija board, as that had not been created yet. This was simply kind of like the Ouija board for all intents and purposes. It had letters, numbers, a planchet-like device to point to them, and uh, that was basically the talking board. I guess you could say the inspiration for the Ouija board. The article that was released all about this talking board was noticed by Charles Kennard of Baltimore, Maryland, who acted immediately on it. 
1890, he pulled together a group of four other investors, including Elijah Bond, a local attorney, and Colonel Washington Bowie, who was a surveyor, to start the Kennedy Novelty Company to exclusively make and market these brand new talking boards. None of the men were spiritualists really at all, but they were all very much businessmen and they knew how to identify a niche market. Now, though they didn't have the Ouija board created just yet because they lacked a name, there is popular belief that Ouija is a combination of the French word yes or oui and the German word ja. This is not true. Robert Mertz says that based on his research, it was Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, who was a strong medium who supplied the now instantly recognizable name. Sitting around a table, they asked the board, what shall we call you? The name Ouija came through. And when they asked what that meant, the board said, good luck. How could this be accomplished? What method could we use? They experimented with uh, transmediumship, automatic writing. There was a little plank called the planchette, which is French for a little plank, that was used. Uh, you would insert a pencil into it. It was a little triangular table on ball bearings that was used for automatic writing. And eventually, spiritualists hit on to something they call the alphabet board or the talking board. This is what became the Ouija board. Um, the earliest image of the Ouija board appeared in the New York Herald Tribune in the year 1886. There was an article about spiritualists in northern Ohio who were just entranced with this thing that they called the talking board that was supposed to be the easiest method yet for speaking to the other side. And the newspaper featured a couple of drawings. One of them was just a little max matchbox sized drawing of the Ouija board and is the spitting image of the board that we know today. Now, the Ouija board did have to be used in the patent office in order for the patent to go through. Knowing that if they couldn't prove that the board worked, they would not get their patent. Bond brought the indispensable Peters to the patent office in Washington with him when he filed his application. There, the chief patent officer demanded a demonstration. If the board could accurately spell out his name, which was supposed to be unknown to Bond and Peters, he'd allow the patent application to proceed. So they all sat around and communed with the spirits, and the planchet faithfully spelled out the patent officer's name. So they all sat down around the board, placed their hands on the planchet, and wouldn't you know, it spelled out the patent officer's name. Okay, now whether or not the mystical spirits actually did that, or it was Bond himself seeing as how he was a patent attorney who may have just known the chief patent officer's name already. So, on February 10th, 1891, a pale-faced, visibly shaken patent officer awarded Bond a patent for his new, quote, toy or game. The first patent offers no explanation on how the device works, just asserts that it does work. The mystery behind the board was a huge marketing effort. These were businessmen, and all they thought about was the money that came with this board. The less the Kennard Company said about how the board worked, the more mysterious it seemed, and the more people would want to buy it. Ultimately, this was a money maker. And after all, this is corporate America, so money rules all. And believe me, it was a money maker. By 1892, the Kennard Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore, two in New York, two in Chicago, and one in London. 
The board's instant and now more than 100 plus years later prolonged success shows that they tapped into a very weird place in American culture. It was marked as both mystical oracle and as family entertainment, fun with an element of otherworldly excitement. So this meant that it wasn't only for spiritualists who bought the board. In fact, the people who disliked the Ouija board the most tended to be spirit mediums. As they just found their job as spiritual mediums were cut out completely. The Ouija board appealed to people from across a wide spectrum of ages, professions, and education. Plus, let's throw in the fact that so many strange and bizarre stories involving the Ouija board began to make headlines. Now, we're not going to run down those stories, but I do want to talk about a, quote, demon that is associated with the Ouija board. My name is Tess Carpenter. I innocently played with some friends. We came across an entity. I cannot get rid of him. He's with me all the time. He wants me to play his games. He called himself Zozo. Zozo's origin story is riddled with fabrication and a hive mind belief system that keeps his power alive and thriving despite giant gaps in its history and past. Ever since 2009, however, Zozo has been a popular internet fixture. He is so notorious that he's inspired feature films, books, podcasts, and has even been, well, I'll just say the star of one of the episodes of Ghost Adventures and Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness. If you just do a quick Zozo demon search on YouTube, over 80 thousand results of videos ranging from emotional personal encounters to timeline histories to alleged full-on possessions and so much more. The internet has its own lore and explanation for how this crept out of the shadows. However, facts tell us something very different. The demon story is intertwined with Darren Evans, a man whose stringent belief in the unseen and whose obsession with Led Zeppelin helped birth a modern urban legend that gains traction with each passing year. Its foothold has become completely accepted and the inescapable truth, apparently. So who is Zozo? This Zozo demon is a mysterious trickster who is known to stop people through the Ouija board. Those who have claimed to make contact with Zozo, who also goes by Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zo, Za, and Abacus, say he often shows himself by guiding the planchette into figure eight formations before frantically zooming back and forth between Z and O. Most of the time, his interactions start out very friendly, but grow malicious. He's known for cursing at and threatening contactees, sometimes getting very personal. While he's often wrangled by the Ouija board, some believe that saying his name out loud can also summon Zozo from the depths of hell. Fuck, I have said his name so many times. Fantastic. Anybody want to have a sleepover? Because I don't want to be alone now. Seriously, <laughs> please don't hurt me, Zozo. Shit, stop saying his name, Harmony. Believers of this entity claim that the demon has ancient origins, either African or Sumerian, depending on who you ask. 
That's right. I said this demon. I have said his name too many times now. I don't want to keep repeating it. I don't want to welcome him here. I'm not saying he's a real demon. I'm just saying I don't want to find out. The claims of Zozo's... Oh, damn it. I did it again. Okay, anyways. The claims of his past and where he comes from cannot be substantiated. All right. Okay. I just heard a bang upstairs. So this is getting really fun. All right, we're already here. I've said it so many times. We're just going to keep saying it. If I'm going to be haunted, you know what? I'm going to be haunted. It's fine. I say that now, but I'm going to be crying myself to sleep tonight. It is stated that people may be confusing Zozo for Pazuzu. Pazuzu is a Mesopotamian wind demon who famously appeared in The Exorcist. Are you comfortable, Reagan? Yes. How old are you? Twelve. Is there someone inside you? Sometimes. Mother? What's wrong with me? The whole bed was rising up the floor and shaking. You have any religious beliefs? Have you ever heard of exorcism? I'm only against the possibility of doing your daughter more harm than good. Nothing you could do could make it any worse. I've never met one priest who has performed an exorcism. Not one. Do it again. In time. No, now. In time. So let's go back to Darren Evans really fast to discuss the origin of the demon named Zozo. In 2009, Oklahoma man Darren Evans recounted his experience with a demon named Zozo on a website called True Ghost Tales. In the post, Evan admits to an adolescent fascination with the occult, citing many Ouija board incidents through the years. But Zozo, he said, was different. The entity constantly showed itself to Evans, too many times to count according to him, pretending to be a kind spirit before shifting into threatening language, including curses, in what, quote, looked like Latin or Hebrew. Darren goes on to say that he was genuinely fascinated and startled by how many times Zozo showed up, even in many different states and many different Ouija boards. Evans even went on to say that this demon had started to harass his young daughter, nearly drowning her in a bathtub and later giving her an infection with a mysterious illness. Quote, we almost lost her. That was when I began to suspect a demonic attack. Evans' post gained a lot of interest with other readers allegedly having similar experience encounters with this Zozo demon. So... I can't tell you if the Ouija board is very real and actually works. I can tell you I've used one and I had the shit scared out of me. However, I can't tell you if it's real or not. The mind is a very strong thing. But I can tell you that so many people have encountered 
this demon while using the Borg. So is it real? I don't know. Is there a demon attached to it? I don't know. Do I want to find out? Hell to the no. But hey, if you want to try out the Ouija board and make a new friend by the name of Zozo, go ahead. More power to you. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to go ahead and take a moment and say a big shout out to my sponsors. Because of them, I can continue to create this content for you. First up is Doom and Groom. If you head over to doomandgroom.net, you will be met with amazing craft hair, skin, beard, and tattoo care. It is incredible. As someone who is covered in tattoos, I recommend them more than I can even share with you. Their products leave my skin feeling amazing and my tattoos looking brand new, no matter their age. All of their products are unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, plastic-free, and organic. Head on over to doomandgroom.net and check out the products they have to offer. And if you find something that interests you, go ahead and use the code HARMONYDOOM for 10% off of your order. And next up is the amazing sponsor of mine, Fiji Tree of Life. I truly adore Fiji and all of their products because I use them just as I use Doom and Groom. However, unlike Doom and Groom, Fiji is all about green. And by green, I mean CVD, THC, and electric vehicles. If you head over to FijiTreeOfLife.com and check out their shop, you will be met with a ton of CBD products, including oils, lotion, and flour. I did mention that Fiji sells THC products, otherwise known as Delta 8. I highly recommend the Delta 8 gummies. They are my favorite. Go ahead and head over to Fiji Tree of Life and check out all of their products. And just like with Doom and Groom, if you find something you'd like, use my promo code HARMONY and you will get 10% off of your order. So again, a big thank you to my sponsors for allowing me to continue to create all that I do for you guys. Thank you for your support, Doom and Groom and Fiji Tree of Life. You guys are amazing. Now, let's continue the show. In the movie, I am. Written and directed by Tom Shadiak, creator of comedy films such as Ace Ventura and The Nutty Professor. He asks two central questions. What's wrong with the world and what can we do about it? He explores topics such as materialism, human connectedness and scientific concepts related to human nature. Another interesting topic that comes up in the film is a concept called wetiko a Native American word for cannibal, not of the flesh, but of another's life, destroying them mentally. We are now on a tier eight theory, Watiko. What if I told you that humanity is being driven to the brink of extinction by an illness, that all the poverty, the climate devastation, the perpetual war and consumption fetishism we all have around us have roots in a mass psychological infection. So what if I told you that this infection is not just highly communicable, but also self-replicating according to the laws of cultural evolution, and that it remains so clandestine in our psyches that most hosts will, as a condition of their infected state, completely deny that they are, in fact, infected? What if I also told you that this, quote, mind virus can be described as a form of cannibalism? Oh yeah, cannibalism. Now, not necessarily in the literal flesh-eating sense, but rather the idea of consuming others, human 
and non-human as a means of securing personal wealth and supremacy. Now this probably sounds like some crazy like conspiracy theory, right? There's a mind virus out there, this, this cannot be real. But this approach of viewing the transmission of ideas as a key detriment of the emergent reality is increasingly validated by various branches of science, including evolutionary theory, quantum physics, cognitive linguistics, and epigenetics. The history of this mind infection is long, strange, and very dark, but it does lead to hope. Tico disease is an expression of the convincing illusion of the separate self gone wild. Bewitched by the intrinsic projective tendencies of their own mind, full-blown Witticos are unconsciously doing the very thing they are reacting to while simultaneously accusing other people of doing it. Projecting the shadow onto others, they will accuse others of projecting the shadow onto them. To use an extreme but prototypal example, it is like someone screaming that you're killing them as they kill you. If their insanity is reflected back to them, they think it is the mirror that is insane. Suffering from a form of psychic blindness that believes itself to be sightedness, full-blown Watikos project out their own unconscious blindness and imagine that others, instead of themselves, are the ones who are not seeing. Various First Nation transitions of North America have specific and long-established lore relating to cannibalism and the term of the thought form that causes it, Watiko. Watiko is an Algonquin word for cannibalistic spirit that is driven by greed, excess, and selfish consumption. Watiko deludes its host into believing that cannibalizing the life force of others is a logical and morally upright way to live life. Watiko short-circuits the individual's ability to see itself as an enmeshed and interdependent part of a balanced environment and raises the self-serving ego to severe supremacy. It is this false separation of self from nature that makes this cannibalism rather than simple murder. When Tico commands the infected entity to consume far more than it needs in a blind, murderous daze of self-arrogant ways. Watiko can describe both the infection and the body that is infected. A person can be infected by Watiko, or in cases where the infection is very advanced, they can personify the disease and be known as a Watiko. Governed by the insane, self-perpetuating logic of fear and paranoia, those taken over by the disease fear that if they don't attack and rule over others, they are in danger of being attacked and ruled over themselves. In their convoluted, upside-down, flawless illogic, Watikos act to their own projections in the world as if they objectively exist and are other than themselves, thinking that they themselves have nothing to do with creating that to which they are reacting. In Watiko disease, the psyche takes the terror that haunts it from within, and in its attempt to master it, unwittingly becomes taken over by it, thus becoming an instrument of terror in the world. We have then become the thing we most feared, creatures of the European nightmare world, as we psychologically terrorize ourselves, as well as terrorizing the world at large. A quick Google search will let you see that the term Watiko is a Cree term. 
pronounced as Wendigo in Ojibwe and Wintiko in Powhatan, which, to quote Forbes, refers to an evil person or spirit who terrorizes other creatures by means of terrible acts. Wintikos are the human instruments for the transpersonal spirit of evil to terrorize the world. I mean, really, is there an epidemic of broken, undeveloped frontal lobes of dysfunctional, maladjusted, deteriorating, and infected amygdalas? Narcissism and cluster B psychopathy run rampant in our culture, feeding on those who still have innate ability to feel empathy and compassion, who possess a real soul and a kind spirit. I'm sure, just like me, many of you have been used, chewed up, and spit out, and you felt every moment because of your compassion and kind-hearted nature. There are people out there in the world who thrive off of people like that. Those are narcissists and psychopaths. To them, you are nothing but a lovely little gift that they will drain and empty of every single ounce of your hope and happiness because they don't have any, so why should you? Those dark and toxic parasitic Wetiko entities are cannibalistic, predatory, soulless, selfish, and hostile, a cancer of the soul, a shapeshifter, if you will. Playing this out, Wetikos are transmitting and transferring their own depraved state of inner deadness to others in a perverse form of trying to deal with their own suffering. Paradoxically, Watikos both try to destroy others' light as it reminds them of what they've killed in themselves, while simultaneously trying to appropriate the light for themselves. The disease itself is now demanding that we pay attention to it, or it will kill us. An eye for an eye only makes the whole world blind. Andy. People who are taken over by Watiko are suffering from an autoimmune disease of the psyche. In an autoimmune deficiency syndrome, the immune system of the organism perversely attacks the very life it is trying to protect. In trying to live, it destroys life, ultimately destroying even itself. In the same way, once Watiko is insinuated itself into a living entity, it acts like a perverted antibody, treating the wholesome parts of the system as cancerous tumors to be exterminated. This problem is being collectively acted out on the world stage. Humans are destroying the biosphere of the planet upon which we all depend upon for our very own survival. One of these examples can be the destruction of the Amazon rainforest, who some refer to as the lungs of our planet. Another example is the terminator seeds that are genetically engineered not to reproduce a second generation, forcing farmers to buy new seeds and making life impossible for many poor farmers. If we look at the planet as an organism and people simply as cells in this organism, it would be as if these cells had become cancerous or parasitic and had turned on the healthy cells, thus destroying the very organism of which themselves they were a part of. Our species appears to be enacting a mass ritual suicide on a global scale. This disease, this Wetiko, cannibal psychosis, is the greatest epidemic sickness known to man. We as a species are in the midst of a massive psychic epidemic. Virulent collective psychosis that has been brewing in the cauldron of humanity's psyche from the beginning of time. Like a fractal, Wetiko operates on multiple dimensions simultaneously. Intrapersonally, within individuals, interpersonally, 
between ourselves as well as collectively as a species. Cannibalism, in Forbes's words, is the consuming of another's life for one's own private purpose or profit. Those afflicted with Wetiko, like a cannibal, consume the life force of others, human and non-human, for private purpose or profit, and do so without giving back something from their own lives. Rather profound, don't you think? Is this what's wrong with our world today? Could this be why there is no cure for narcissism, and further why it seems to be rapidly and increasingly coming at us from all angles? And there you have it, a tier 8 theory, all about Watiko, a cannibalizing mind disease. If you're curious, I recommend checking out all you can about it because it's fucking terrifying and seems to be very real. I mean, I don't have to tell you, I'm sure you've come across several narcissists and people who just lack plain empathy. Who knows? Maybe you have Watiko. That's all, folks. And this brings us to the end of our episode. There were three theories from this tier 1 to tier 10 terrifying conspiracy theory list. I don't know about you, but I am really enjoying going through this list and finding all of the dark shit in the world that is supposed to be very true. I hope you guys are enjoying this every week with me as well. And don't worry, true crime will be back. But right now, I am so into these theories and I hope you are too. Again, I'm so sorry that I did not release an episode last week, but hey, I'll be here next week for you. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, stay safe. Bye, guys. You ready to sing goodbye? I am. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Until we...